Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you, and uh, dare I say it, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. I'm your host and cruise director, Jennifer Perry, Madam Perry, you can call me Jen, Jennifer, JP, it's all good for me, I'm just happy to be here and happy you are too. And And listen, if you're listening live tonight on August 5th, or if you ever just listen on Blog Talk Radio, please, um, if you haven't done so, please Click the follow button up at the top. Uh, I'd appreciate that. Or whatever platform you prefer to listen to podcasts, um, follow and, and leave a review if you like. Let me know what you like or not. So tonight's uh, show is a little different. Uh, yesterday we had Tony Green, psychic, and I tell you what, we went into OT and people were waited on the phone for her and were happy to do so. so thank you so much to uh, Tony. And Tonight, I decided it's time for Bill Fashion Story Time. And so, first person I contacted, I didn't have a show planned, but yeah, we need story time tonight. So, the first person I contacted, of course, is somebody who has some of those wonderful stories in the world. Very prolific, creative, um, and <laughs> an absolute adventure to behold. And that is my friend, author Jim Musgrave. Jim, welcome. Hello, Jennifer. Hey. Thank you. Happy to have you here. Now, what you're going to do is you just on, um, you're one of our favorite people here, right? So, um, you, you know the way Thank it runs. You. What we're going to do tonight, I've only had a couple <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've only had a couple of story time shows so far. And uh, so we're going to have, uh, see, you've got a great story to read to us. And then I'm also going to play a couple of people had their things recorded. So uh, Marilyn Opus has a, re- a story called Pick Up uh, that she recorded for us. Also, a poem for, uh, actually written by Bunny Goodjohn, but it's read by a man named Shane Stedham, an actor. And it's, um, it's from her book. It's from Bunny Goodjohn's book. Uh, Bone Song is her first book of poetry, although she has a, a few novels out. And this poem is called, um, it's kind of a long title, if I can remember it. It's uh, Visitation Time at the uh, Women's Prison, uh, Blue Ridge Women's Correctional Center, that's the way it is. And it's, it's a very good one, too. So we'll be playing that. And also, um, I'm going to read from my uh, essays that I'm want to put it's, it's a blog of essays that I want to put into a book. Jim, uh, it's called Memoirs of a Misanthrope. Great title. I'd buy it. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> okay. 
Oh, well, I'll have to get you to write a blurb on it for me whenever if I ever get around to publishing it. I'll have to. <laughs> okay, do what you, write what you got to write, Jim. Uh, I think I'm ready. Okay, so um, that too. Also, tonight's uh, sponsor uh, promoter is Onyx Learning Systems. That's O N Y X Onyx Learning Systems. We talked about them last night. And about 30 minutes in, I'll uh, talk about them again. So I'm going to begin with Jim. Now, I don't know if Jim's going to hang around for the rest of the show, if he's got anything else he'll want to read later, or if he's just going to read and then just chill at home um, and listen to the rest. I don't know. It's up to Jim because because you're a regular here. You've got your own. You're here in the genie bottle with your own. You've got a pillow with your own name on it, your initials. So That's great. I have my pantaloons as well. And they're they're almost like jodhpurs, but not quite. Yeah. Jim, you really, <laughs> I would really like to see you. You know, we're hoping that there will be Wild Wild West Con in Tucson again next uh, March. You know, that was like the last big con <laughs> in March. And like yes. I said, as we left on Sunday, turned the clocks forward straight into the Twilight Zone or idiocracy That's or it. whatever, insanity. So uh, if we. Back next that, that's March. funny you mentioned that. <laughs> you mentioned Twilight Zone. The story I'm going to read is actually a good episode for that. You know, the new, the new Twilight Zone. All right, yeah. we'll have to get that. So, so keep that in mind. Wawa Westcon. Um, I I think you okay. should definitely submit to uh, be a part of that. I think. Uh, yes. I think you'd love them, and they'd love you too. So, all right. So, well, I'm getting ready just to sit back, enjoy uh, a sip of tea, and if you don't mind, I'd like for you to kick this off and you read to me. So, tell us about your story, and then tell us your story. Okay. Okay. This is from a a volume I published called "The Mayan Magician and Other Stories," and the featured title story is about a Mayan. Indian woman who actually pitches for the San Diego Padres. Since they're my favorite baseball team, they also star in the much shorter story I'm going to read tonight called The Siamese. But uh, I mentioned the Padres in both stories, even the, the long novella story that's the featured uh, title in the volume, and of course the smaller uh reference in the Siamese. This is a semi-religious story in the sense that it covers Tibetan Buddhism. So if you listeners aren't familiar with that religion, you may have to Google after I read the story. <laughs> All right. But uh, my, nar- my, um, my hero isn't familiar with it either. So you're kind of along with him if you don't know anything about Tibetan Buddhism. But that's, this is the title, the Siamese. I happen to own two Siameses. Siami? No. Siameses, (laughs) right? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So I could do some first person, you know, observation for my my story. And uh, my old cat is old now, so he doesn't behave the way I describe him in the story. But uh, anyway. Okay, I'm gonna be, I'm so gonna if you're ready or microphone. not, here I come. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to mute my microphone so it's all, all right. you. Thank you. The Siamese. Sammy Hot 
Corner Harmon, an 82-year-old widower and retired baseball great from San Diego, California, was living out his declining years in luxury. Perched atop the La Jolla Cove in his 18,000-square-feet Essentia mansion, with its curved architecture and hand-hammered copper doors at the entryway, Sammy's domicile was a fitting place for his final years. His salt-water tide pool and built-into-the-hill's frame gave Sammy's body the physical appearance of a big bear as he stood on his veranda overlooking the wide Pacific below. A bald, stocky, slightly bent figure with a Cardinals baseball cap, shorts, and a red T-shirt, Sammy stood next to the railing holding his binoculars, and he could see the protected seals basking down at the cove's beach. His Siamese cat, a blue point named Narong, was his only companion, and Sammy believed that the cat had supernatural powers as it followed him around his mansion all day long and even into the night. This belief had occurred after Sammy visited the Buddhist temple up the coast during an especially depressing and rainy week in May. Golf just didn't please him the way it used to. And Sammy, with only a daughter, Lucille, who was a 45-year-old widow living in Mission Valley, wanted something to leave with her when he died. She had a son, Walt, who had been buried in the Padres minor league organization for six years, but he worshipped his grandfather. Sammy was experiencing chest pain, and his doctor put him on blood thinners and told him he needed to find a way to unwind. The golf was too strenuous, and Sammy wasn't ready to die, so he decided to look into the meditation techniques that he heard the Buddhist monk talk about one time in a small room adjacent to the La Jolla Country Club. Mostly wives of golfers had attended that day, and several were wearing saffron saris, and there was a little brown guy burning incense and ringing a gong intervals during the monk's speech. The monk guy was short and wiry, like some of the Caribbean and South American players Sammy had played against in the bigs. However, this was an Asian from Thailand, and all Sammy knew about Thailand was that they had a very popular food that many of his friends raved about, although Sammy refused to eat anything that might contain dog. But the words from his slant-eyed Buddhist that day hit something deep inside Sammy, and that's why he made his trip up the road to the Carlsbad Monastery one week later. Sammy had never been a religious guy, although he was superstitious, having never stepped on a chalk line in his 22-year career with the St. Louis Cardinals from 1946 until 1968 and having never failed to eat the same dinner on the nights his team was on a winning streak. However, this story about the Siamese cat was something that put his superstitious nature 
on an entirely new level. When the loved one dies, the cat from my country has a mysterious ability, the monk was saying, and the little assistant banged a gong. The sound vibrated through Sammy's body like an eerie tuning fork. Our cats take the loved one's soul. Yes, it's true. The feline follows the dying one around until he passes beyond this cheerful residence. And then the soul will transfer into our cat's being. That's when the cat is taken into our monastery to be pampered and shown the most royal treatment we can bestow it. Another gong was sounded, and then a large woman who was not wearing a sari, but a giant business suit and heart-shaped sunglasses, asked, And how much does this cost the dying loved one's relatives? Oh, we do not ask a contribution until the good things start to happen, said the monk, a small smile playing on his thin lips. Good things, Sammy asked, almost apologetically, as he didn't even realize it was he that spoke until the words came out of his mouth. Yes, you see, the cat keeps the soul of the loved one, and the loved one communicates through the cat. As long as we feed and pamper this medium between our dead ancestors, Good things always seem to happen to surviving relatives. Is this not so mysterious? Another gong. And then the assistant began handing out business cards to all those assembled. If you would like to purchase one of our cats, please to visit our monastery, and we will see if you can elicit a connection. If you are chosen by one of our felines, then you will take it home to await the magic moment. We will then bring the Siamese back to our temple to be pampered. And soon, your loved ones will be given the fruits of positive karma from beyond this life. Narong, which in Thai meant to make war, was Sammy's constant shadow around his mansion. Literally, the old man could not even take a shit without the cat at his feet, purring and rubbing up against his legs, climbing inside his underwear, and staring up at him with those vacuous blue orbs. The points on a Siamese cat referred to the color on the face, ears, tail, and paws of the animal. You had chocolate point, seal point, and even lilac point, as well as the blue point, which was the breed that was first recognized by the British government in the 1930s. Buddhist monks had made a great ritual out of the cat being the one to choose his future master. And when Sammy sat down on the Buddha throne inside the cattery, Narong had almost immediately come up to him and daintily hopped into his lap. Narong was also cross-eyed, which the monks told him was an especially significant sign of good fortune. The mark of a blissful meditation 
is when one has one's eyes crossed in contemplation, said Arun, the monk who had spoken at the golf club. Sammy was instructed to allow the cat to go wherever he wished inside the house, as this would allow him to bond with your spirit. Then, when the day of the transfer happened, the cat would gather Sammy's soul into his body, and the monks would come to pick him up. It was as simple as that. Sammy signed all the legal papers, learned a few meditation chants from the monks, and drove back to his La Jolla mansion on the hill. With his soul gatherers leading to the final day, were filled with Sammy's daily routine. In the mornings, Sammy got up promptly at 6 a.m., took a shower, and then got on the treadmill for half an hour. He then sank into the saltwater tide pool, toweled off, and ate breakfast on the veranda overlooking La Jolla Cove. His live-in nurse, Phoebe Strong, a 37-year-old former animal trainer for Siegfried and Roy at the Mirage Hotel in Las Vegas, brought in his breakfast of oatmeal and orange juice and talked to him about world events and more specifically about his relationship with his daughter and grandsons. They also enjoyed talking about animals. And this morning, they talked about Narong and his mystical abilities. Miss Strong was a good example of her name. She was quite muscular in stature, and she worked out in Sammy's recreation room each day before she headed for her second job at the San Diego Wild Animal Park. Phoebe was blonde and attractive, and she was enamored of Sammy and his baseball history. But she was also concerned with his pending journey into the unknown. Look, Hottie, I know cats. They're my specialty, said Phoebe, buttering a piece of toast for the old man as he looked over the morning's newspaper headlines. With his tail and a question mark, Narong was enjoying his daily ritual of zooming around the house, climbing curtains, skidding along the wax tiles, and making a point of leaping onto the breakfast table to knock over the sugar bowl. Cats get their exercise, don't they? said Phoebe. How can you believe a Siamese has the ability to eat your soul? Aren't you a Christian? Don't you know that animals' souls are different than people's souls? All I know is that I'm being kept alive by these hair pills, said Sammy, holding up the plastic bottle of blood thinners. Says if I forget to take one, I am one dead cowboy. The way I see it, I now have my life in my own hands. How many folks can say that? Are you nuts? Do you actually believe those monks are going to do your family any good when you're dead? Why, I'll bet they turn around and resell those cats. Who's going to check? Phoebe cleared some toast crumbs from the table with her open hand and whisked them into her palm. You're just a scientific snob. You think animals are to be trained by reward and punishment, and that's it. There's not a mystical bone in your body, Phoebe, said Sammy, 
swigging down the last dregs of his coffee. As if on cue, Narong leapt upon the table and began to lick up the residual margarine left on the plates. Seize into my soul, Phoebe, said Sammy, cupping his two meaty hands against the cat's bluish face. And Narong immediately began to purr and to stare cross-eyed into his beloved master's hazel eyes. Later that day, as Sammy walked around the house, he kept clenching, clenching, and playing with the plastic container of pills inside his shorts pocket. He always wore his old Cardinals baseball cap from the 1950s, as it had been signed by every member of the team. Mutual, flood, and chain dinks were there, along with all the others, and Sammy enjoyed knowing he could always touch the bill of his cap to connect with them. He had spent many glorious and inglorious days and nights with these men, and if he had a soul, Sammy imagined they were locked up inside it also. In fact, Arun had said, you have lived many more lives than this one. All of what you were before travels with you into a new life, and all that you are today We'll go with you tomorrow. Sammy's meditations began, became more frequent now that he knew he controlled when and where he would die. As he stood on the veranda overlooking the Pacific, Sammy tried hard to think about what he had experienced in the lives he'd lived before this one. It was crazy, but Sammy believed he had once been St. Christopher the big man who carried on his shoulders the young boy, Jesus of Nazareth, across the Jordan River. Of course, Sammy knew the Catholic Church had declared that St. Christopher was just a legend and had never really existed. But Sammy was certain he had been this saint in another lifetime. The St. Christopher fantasy filled his consciousness as he gazed out at the ocean. He could feel the young Jesus on his shoulders as he trudged along the bottom of the river. Through Jesus, Sammy felt the weight of the entire world and its collection of sins, past, present, and future. And the task, therefore, became a heroic one because Sammy was the patron saint of travelers everywhere. Sammy felt the church could go to hell. He had been raised a Catholic until he met his wife, Emily, who was a Buddhist. Today, as St. Christopher, he would carry the weight of the world into his next life. This previous saintly existence explained to Sammy why he had often felt the weight of mankind's troubles out at the hot corner of the baseball diamond, where line drives sped toward him like bullets. And often it took a millisecond's reaction, fear the ball in the glove, or to duck out of the way. Like St. Christopher, Sammy believed he carried redemption on his shoulders. He believed he was his team's good luck charm. And when they went to the World Series, many teammates believed this also. And they would rub his balding head each time they took the field. They called it Sammy's whammy, and it was supposed to put a hex on the opposing team.
During the week before Sammy passed into the next world, his daughter and grandson paid him a final visit. Sammy had arranged that they come because he wanted to explain to them what he was doing. It was the off-season for Walt, who was playing for the Padres' Class A team, the Lake Elsinore Storm. Walt was now 25, and he was getting quite old by baseball standards. On the day he came to visit his grandfather, Walt wore jeans, spring training jerseys. The cap of the storm had two eyes on the crown that glared out at you, and Sammy always thought it looked ridiculous. Haven't you ever heard of the eyes of the storm, Walt would ask, but Sammy just shook his head. In my day, we had normal names for teams and mascots. Now you've got storms, earthquakes, tsunamis. What's next? Venereal diseases? How about the San Diego syphilis? The San Diego, the Kansas City clap? Dad, you needn't be so crude, said Lucille, who was the regular church-going member of the family. She was also a nurse at San Diego's Mercy Hospital, and Sammy knew that he would have to be careful how he chose his words about the cat and his own future demise. Sammy brought his family into the den where he had all his baseball memorabilia, trophies, rings, photos, and autographed balls, bats, and gloves. His wife, Emily, who died in 1968 of cervical cancer, the year Sammy retired, used to call this room his karmic heaven. It was his dear Emily who had instructed him about the ways of the Eastern religions, as she had a degree in world religions from St. Louis University. He hadn't paid much attention when she was alive, however, and when she died, she told Sammy that she was thinking about what she was going to be in her next life. I think I'll be close to you, Sam, she had said and her eyes became suddenly alive. I'm sorry, this is kind of getting close. My wife died. (laughs) The way he always remembered them, blue like the Bahamian waters off Nassau, where they had spent their honeymoon. I ask you here to tell you that when I'm gone, you will get this house and everything I own, said Sammy folding his big hands across his knees. Narong was in his lap, and Sammy could feel him purring against his stomach like a living engine. Oh, you don't have to talk about that, said Lucille, who was always uncomfortable when the subject of death came up. After all, that's why the Catholic Church had all those sacraments to protect people like his daughter from the grim reaper and guarantee them an eternal paradise. No, I do have to talk about it, said Sammy. And that's not all. You're also going to have some good luck coming your way. Let's just say it will be my way of carrying you across rough waters. Sammy thought he was being ingenious by metaphorically getting the St. Christopher legend into his story. If you stay healthy and take your medication, then there's no reason you won't live many more years. 
I talked to Dr. Sampson, and he told me, said Lucille, beginning to bite her nails the way she had for years. He and Emily had tried everything to get her out of the habit when she was a girl, but nothing had worked. All of her nails were bitten down to jagged semicircles. Sure, anything you say, Grandpa, said Walt, standing up and walking around the room to look at all the baseball stuff. Walt had been diagnosed as having attention deficit disorder, and Sammy told his daughter she shouldn't give the kid any pills for it. It's going to take away his playing edge. He won't be able to compete with any spark, Sammy had pointed out. However, Lucille refused, and Walt regularly took Ritalin. And Sammy secretly believed this was the reason why his grandson was still playing at the minor league level. Walt played third base like his grandfather, but he repeatedly batted in the low 200s, and he had very little power in his swing. Just remember what I told you, said Sammy, and he stood up to escort them out. Narong ran along with them, crying like an infant to escape out of the front door if they didn't watch out. Sammy said his goodbyes, and as he hugged and kissed them both, he tried to pass on some of the positive energy he believed was gathering somewhere deep inside his being. On the day Sammy stopped taking his pills, it was raining outside. Down at La Jolla Cove, Sammy could still see the seals basking themselves on their protected beach, and he knew it was time. Narong was lying at his feet when the pain came. It came quickly, like a line drive off the bat of Mickey Mantle, and it shot up his arm and into his brain, where it exploded, and Sammy thought it was like the cosmos. Just like string theory physics, he thought just before the darkness overtook his perception. The last thing the old man heard was Narong's mournful cry as the cat was getting ready to leap into Sammy's lap and engulf his spirit. Narong, the warrior, was ready to do battle with the source of good and evil, and the long blue-point feline knew that his purpose was sheltered deep inside his master's being. Arun had to get the police to show Phoebe that he had the proper legal documents to pick up Narong from Sammy's mansion. The monk, throughout all of the commotion, was quite subdued, and a slight smile played on his thin lips. Phoebe, on the other hand, began screaming about what a crock of shit their temple was, and that she was going to check up on the cat to see they didn't resell it. Please, Miss Phoebe, come and visit Narong. He will now be in his proper place. We are going to take good care of him, for he is now bearing a precious host, Arun said in a sing-song voice. The two cops, one man and one woman, looked at each other and raised their eyebrows. The body. We need somebody to sign the paperwork so he can send the body to the mortuary. I'll call his sister, said Phoebe. She's going to want to know about this cat business. When Lucille learned that Sammy had died and Narong had been taken to the Buddhist temple in Carlsbad, 
she met with Phoebe to find out what had happened to her father. They met at a Denny's, and Phoebe told Lucille that Sammy believed Narong now held his soul inside him, and that the monks were treating the cat like royalty because Sammy had paid them thousands of dollars. Can you believe it, said Phoebe, biting into her veggie burger. Between chews, she added, I think you might be able to sue them. They played on your father's emotions big time. Your mother was a Buddhist, and this whole thing with the cat happened because he was thinking about Emily. Yes, you may have something there said Lucille, sipping an iced tea with a sprig of mint leaf floating in it. When my mother died, Sammy quit baseball, bought that mansion, and became a virtual recluse. I was worried about his mental health a long time before he ever visited that temple. The two women agreed to talk to a lawyer about their problem and to meet next week. They both didn't like the idea of that Buddhist temple getting so much of Sammy's estate money, especially if it was all a swindle. Meanwhile, inside the temple, the monks were indeed treating Narong and the other Siamese like royalty. They were fed tuna on gold plates, and they slept on silk pillows. Each day, promptly at noon and at midnight, Arun held meditations inside the cattery and the felines would begin to cry like infants, a special way that Siamese cats have, and their inner spirits would howl out into the world of humanity, into the world of sorrow and suffering, and where their prayers landed, nobody knew. Lucille and Phoebe were successful at getting a restraining order filed on the Buddhist temple, and the court ordered that Narong be picked up by a city animal shelter to be impounded until the case could come to trial. However, just as the shelter's animal control officer bent over to pick Narong up, the cat hissed and leapt between the woman's legs and ran out of the temple and into the California sunshine. Nobody saw where the cat ran off to. And Arun told the animal shelter official, It is karma. The cat is holding the living spirit of Mr. Harmon, and only fate will determine its destiny. About the same time Narong escaped, Walt, playing third base for the Lake Elsinore storm, began to hit. His first hit was a long, towering home run over the center field scoreboard. It was one of the longest homers ever hit in the Storm Stadium, and it began a hitting streak of what became 27 games for young Walt. However, not only was the grandson of Sammy Harmon hitting, he was also fielding every ball that was hit at him. He scooped up scorching, grass-cutting grounders and rifle-shot line drives. He dove to his right to save balls hit down the left-field foul line and he dove to his left to snare shots that would have normally been handled by the shortstop. Walt's range, playing in the field, was also what one sports writer called cat-like. As his average began to climb from 205 to 375, the Padres' front office began to notice. Soon, Walt was packing his bags and heading for Portland, 
the Triple A team's hometown. By mid-April, Walt was hitting over 400 and had 23 home runs. And the San Diego Padres' regular third baseman, Jerome Ellis, had been put out of commission with a pulled hamstring. That's when Walt got his call to come up to the show. On the night he got the phone call from the Padres' front office, Walt was in Mission Valley condo of his mother, Lucille. Just before the phone rang, there was a scratching at the front door. When Lucille opened it, in sprang the wrong, looking no worse for wear for having been missing over a year and the case against the Buddhists having been dropped for lack of substantial evidence. Heavens, screamed Lucille, and she tried to grab the cat, but Narong was in a manic state, and he began to tear around the room like a blue-tipped tornado. At the peak of Narong's commotion, as both woman and cat were screaming their loudest, Walt's cell phone rang, and he answered what would prove to be the call that changed his entire life to come. Walt was as superstitious as his grandfather had been, so Narong became a team mascot. In a small cage, sitting right beside the dugout steps, Narong held court with the human athletes. As each one would go out to get into the on-deck circle, he would rub Narong's head for good luck. This ritual would also be repeated whenever they came in from the playing field. Walt told his teammates that his grandpa's spirit was inside the cat, and nobody on the team seemed to doubt it. In baseball, superstitions come in all varieties, and the story of Narong, Walt, and the Hot Corners ghost traveled up and down the baseball circuit in both leagues for years to come, and it soon became legend. Walt picked up the MVP award for his play on the Padres the following year, and Lucille even began to believe. One night, as mother and son stood on the veranda of the Essentia mansion, gazing down at the lights of La Jolla Cove, Lucille asked Walter, medication? Narong began to wind his way between their legs and purr. Funny thing. I was inside the clubhouse one day before a game, and just as I was about to pop one, Narong took one of his flying leaps and knocked the bottle out of my hand. I never took one after that, said Walt, and he gave his mother a hug. I guess you've got Dad's edge, said Lucille, and she stooped down to feel the soft and delicate fur of her father's notorious and magical fact. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Go Walt. Go Narong. <laughs> Knock those pills out. Narong made it, yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's a great story. Great story, Jim. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, he wouldn't be allowed in the dugout now with the, all the, you know, thing about uh, COVID-19. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Oh, great. And so, and you said that story is part of a, a larger work? Yeah, it's called The Mayan Magician and Other Stories. And when we were talking before the show started, you mentioned um, 
Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah, do you talk about the one where the uh, aliens that that um, the cats are spies? The aliens, what cats? Bill, the, the the this guy has is, is come to Earth and cats. I forget what I don't remember what oh, planet oh, they were from. Five. Right, exactly. Five. Yeah. Or or. One of my yeah. favorite Japanese authors also includes cats in in a lot of his fiction. Murakami, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's excellent writer. But uh, yeah, I think they come from another planet. Yeah. <laughs> At least. And, um, <laughs> Well, that's another great story. Thank you so much. And I know you have Thank a lot you. of fans and a lot of people know and love your work. But let me tell you, if you're one of those people that haven't met James Musgrave, Jim Musgrave yet, I got to tell you, if you want a short story, you want a long story, he, he was, um, I understand, you were influenced by uh, Poe in that, you know, books should be able to be consumed yes. in a short time, you know, so... Your books are something that you can read if you're at the DMV or whatever, and, and that'll take up your time. But also, you've got, um, like, Forevermore, the first of the Pat O'Malley Steampunk series, uh, which mm-hmm. followed by uh, Steam City Pirates and uh, other books, uh, Disappearance of Mount Sinai, and those are not in order. And my Portia um, of the Pacific uh, I would get Portia of the Pacific that, Historical yeah. Mysteries. Uh, our yes, great China Woman's Chance, the Spiritualist Murders, the Stockton yes. uh, Asylum Murder. Thank you. But I gotta tell you, <laughs> I love too. I love your um, short story books and the President's Parasite and where's the other uh, Catalina uh, Catalina Ghost Stories. Yes. Those both of those books are good. Catalina, when I got the President's Parasite, I got that so I could. Or just read a little short story before I went to bed at night because I, yeah. you know, everyone said, you know, the 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 prevailing wisdom was, you know, looking at a an eye a book or whatever, uh, the blue lights, whatever, keep you awake. So I would, um, right. Because I did read that on the iPad, it still helped me fall asleep. I had a little short story every night from there. I read a lot of Jim Mace Musgrave, and there's not a clunker in the bunch. And then again, too, if you love short stories too, yeah, Catalina. Ghost stories and and um, the president's parasite. <laughs> you will not be let. I don't know. I could clunk you over the head with a few. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, but you can always find him on you know Goodreads or his website Emory E M R E Publishing LLC. And of course, as always, I will be share. I'll share that on my social media as well, so that you can find it. And his books, and let Tim Musgrave entertain you, and believe me, he will. <laughs> That's a good story. Good story. Thank you so much, Tim. So, sorry for breaking up there. It was kind of getting personal. You know, my wife passed, and I was getting. You, you, she would call it verklempt. I was getting verklempt. <laughs> you, you know, I was starting to feel it as you said it because. You know, I'm yeah. very fortunate that I did get to meet your wife in person. And yeah. uh, you, your wife, and your stepson. She wasn't a Buddhist. <laughs> I wouldn't care if she was, but she wasn't a Buddhist. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I know, I know. But, <laughs> well, you know, you were on the show a few weeks ago with uh, Brett Wright. He's a Buddhist. So, you know, <laughs> you got plenty. We got plenty That's of right. cool folks around us. 
But, yeah, I was the funny thing, I was thinking the very same thing before you said it, when you stopped there and said, oh, you know, having a moment there. Uh, I was thinking about her yeah. as well. So, all right. Well, I have got a uh, something to talk about, and that is my sponsor for tonight. And, Jim, I think I'm going to let you just uh, let you off the horn here so you can just relax, have coffee, a tea, okay. or whatever you want to sure. have, and just relax and listen to the others at home. And always, you know, you I'm are going to enjoy place here, Yeah. And you are always Thank beloved you. and welcomed here. All right. Thank you so much, Jim Musgrave, James Musgrave. I'll share his place. Thank you. Great story. What a guy. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about, if you were listening last night, you heard about Onyx Global, the Academy. And it's the Onyx, and that is O N Y X, Learner Academy. It's a world-class education 3.0 learning experience and you know what you can join it for just one hundred dollars today which i didn't mention that last night but let me tell you something it's you know we've talked about uh getting an edge up for people having to retool or make some new plans for the what they're calling the new normal and you know we've gone through things before and it's changed us but we we you know we adapt we adapt to things and uh, we retool, and we make things good, and then we make things better. And one thing I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, just today, we were talking about how, you know, we've got all this time right now for the people that are in lockdown, or even if you're working, but you're working from home, you're not commuting. Um, and so you got a lot of free time. And I said, you know, what are we trying to do? We were talking about things, projects we were working on, things we were trying to learn and I said, you know, if we, if it all ended, if we all got out of lockdown and we all could get back together in a week or a month from now, nobody wants to look back and say, you know, I had all that time. I had all that time that I was home. Why didn't I learn whatever? Why didn't I learn this or that? Or why didn't I polish up my skills here? Or why didn't I learn something new to help me uh, find a career I could enjoy? And in the new normal, in the new world, something more modern. This is the perfect time to enhance your, your skills or learn new skills. Well, interestingly enough, Onyx Learner Academy, they have something here. If you look on their website, which is onyx.global, G-L-O-B-A-L, forward slash the academy, you will see they've got this section. It's called a talent, Your Talent Stack. And it has a quote from Scott Adams, who created Cartoon Dilbert, which we all enjoy. And Scott Adams said, every skill you acquire doubles your odds of success. And I think that no learning, no education is ever useless. I mean, we'll make jokes sometimes about it. Well, there you go, find a degree and so-and-so. It's like a lot of good it did me. But everything you learn helps in your critical thinking and helps uh, – I think it heightens your awareness of things around you as well as improving your skills and also may, gives you a lot of confidence as well and helps you to be cu curious and research. Now, these are not the words, Academy, that this is Madam Perry talking to you. But if you join the movement, enroll in the Onyx Learner Academy, and you say, uh, Madam Perry, I don't have time to go take a class. Do I have to leave? Is it at home? What do I do? You work at your own pace, as I understand, and so you will connect with them. And you can also find them. I'll be sharing their 
uh, of all of their social media, on all of my social media, as Madam Perry Salon and as Jennifer Perry as well. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Indeed. Um, excuse me, that's LinkedIn. And you can find everything you know about them. You'll be able to efficiently and effectively approach a lifelong learning. Uh, you'll learn to self-assess and create a personal curriculum for learning. That's nice. Uh, and you can execute an effective study plan for personal and professional growth. The Onyx Learner Academy will equip you, which includes um, just some of the items in that are purposeful design of systems to achieve mastery and mindful and efficient use of our time and energy. Those are just a few of the items in the talent stack. And as I was saying, you know, we don't want to let this time go and then come up and say, you know, I could have. I could have got into the Onyx study system and embarked on a lifelong learning experience, a system that's evidence-based, provides a pathway for you to begin implementing everything you learn there from the moment you complete the program. So go check it out, uh, the Onyx Learner Academy. And I've also posted the video from their website on the Madame Perry Salon page on Facebook, and I'll also be sharing it on, excuse me, on Twitter as well as LinkedIn. You'll see us there. So check that out. Now I've got something else I was going to play for you, and this is a poem. I haven't played this in a long time, but there is a, a British author and poet, Bunny Goodjohn. She lives in the States. She teaches at a college in of West Virginia. And so this is from her book of poetry called Bone Song. And the poem is Association Time at the Blue Ridge Women's Correctional Facility. It is read by actor Shane Stedham. Association Time at the Blue Ridge Women's Correctional Facility from Bone Song by Bunny Goodjohn. Deaf Brenda's telling us about the time her husband smacked her with a cockatiel's cage stand, how sound closed down that night, and yet her memory holds the parrot's scream. She recalls slow feathers, tiny gray curls landing on her yellow fun fur slippers. We lean in. She's telling our story, and we love how they all start happy with sass and drinks. She threw his sorry ass outside, piled furniture against the door, and then took her whiskey and the kids to bed left sound despite the ricochet of words against the trailer siding. There is no recollection of clubbing him with the iron. But there it was, bloody, and shining on the deck. What can I say, she said, her yard full of police and plastic toys, her hands already clasped behind her back. Drink brings a crazy bitch to fuck up my life. My turn for tales, but I'm just here for plain old DUI. So I tell the girls of Rita, patron saint of suffering, whose mouth was home to bees that buzzed behind her teeth that left her tongue unstung, a saint I'd forgotten until Beth Brenda described her tinnitus as a bee song. The rec room hums and we're all lost to joining drunken dots of our own blackout biography. We're haunted by mouths that have always swarmed with bees, homesick for a time when we were too blessed, too young, to know the treachery of swallowing. Thanks. That was uh, actor Shane's Good John's Association Time at the Blue Ridge Women's Correctional <laughs> Facility. And it's from her poetry book, Bone Song. So, 
And she also has uh, two novels, actually, um, extremely good. And I will be sharing the information on those. One of them is Sticklebacks and Snow Globes, and the one which follows it is The Beginning Things. Uh, I highly recommend Bunny Goodjohn as well as Jim Musgrave. So um, let's see. I was going to play a longer story by Marilyn Opitz or or read one of mine, but just short of time here. So what I'm going to do is, in case you missed it recently, um, I decided to start a a judge show because I've worked on these courtroom shows. So I was going to do courtroom shows, Perry. So I'm going to play episode one from season one of Judge Madam Perry. And it is called, the episode is called, Big Shoes to Fill. Seven minutes. You can enjoy it. On today's episode of Judge Madam Perry, a clown couple are charging each other with infidelity, and the husband requests a DNA test on their baby. The court will now come to order. The Honorable Judge Madam Presiding. Yeah, she's presiding all right. She's presiding over you people and your pitiful problems. Oh, well. All rise. Thank you, bailiff. Everyone be seated. It's now in session. Here we go again. Let's see how long you nuts will act right today. Bailiff, call the first case. Your Honor, the first case is a couple of clowns who are... Bailiff, (laughs) is that any way to... No, no, no. Your Honor, look up. Look at them. They're not just a couple. They really are a couple of clowns. All right, all right, okay. Okay, what brings the two of you here today? According to the petition, Calico, you believe your husband is cheating on you with some of his co-workers. And Mr. Fiddle, you have a counterclaim of infidelity and are questioning the paternity of your child. Calico, I'll start with you. Why do you believe your husband is cheating on you with his co-workers? Well, Your Honor... I started noticing odd things, like uh, he seemed to have marks on his face, like he used a wire brush on it. Then I see the bearded lady cleaning off her beard. Honk. It's true. Do you two work at the same place? Yes, Your Honor. And did you confront him? Yes, and he denied it. Honk, 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 honk. Don't you start. Do you know how embarrassing it is? Every time the trapeze lady walks by, your lapel flower squirts all by itself. People notice. And Judge, he's become distant at home. He spends a lot of time on the Internet, and when I walk in the room, he shuts it down. Mr. Fiddle! Yeah, and uh, when I checked his browser history, it's all Cirque du Freak or Cirque du Soleil? Honk, 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 honk. Yes, it is cheating. Honk, 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 honk. No, don't you start. Honk, 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 hon
okay, sure, I got in the car with Bozo, but so did me and 45 other clowns. 46 clowns? Holy moly, what does old Bozo drive? An Escalade tour bus for the hot clowns? <laughs> right, <laughs> extra foot and leg room. <laughs> hey, hey, Bailiff, you think instead of a, a, a luggage rack on top, they have a unicycle rack? <laughs> it's always the ones you least okay. expect. Okay, Mr. Fiddle, your petition states that you two have a six-month-old baby, and you don't believe you are the father. Is that correct? Honk. You asked the court to provide a DNA test, which we did. But first, what has caused you to doubt your wife and deny that this is your child? Whoa, whoa there, Mr. Clown. We don't put our feet on the furniture here. Honk, 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 honk. Um, could you get your big foot off the table? Honk, 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 honk. And what is that supposed to prove? You can look at him and tell that's his baby. Honk? <coughs> oh, look at those, those little, little bitty feet. baby feet. So I guess they've got some big shoes to... Don't you just... Honk, 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 honk. Yes, Mr. Fiddle? Honk, 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 honk. Yes, I see your big 28 triple E there. The significance of this being. <coughs> and yes, we see the cute little baby feet. <coughs> okay, well, well, Mr. Fiddle, it is now known that matching or non-matching physical traits are not necessarily a positive indication of paternity. For that reason, we have honored your request for a DNA test to settle the matter once and for all. Big feet, little feet, sheesh. Okay, well, we asked Dr. Squiggy of the Institute of Testing for Showbiz to do the DNA test and he has the results here today. Dr. Squiggy, are you ready to give the results? I am, Your Honor. Go ahead, then. Thank you. I say thank you, Your Honor. We here at the IT for Show use our vast, I say vast, statistical database to identify the paternity index listed as P1 in the table right here. This indicates the strength of the match of each locus or DNA location. Now, in most cases, we match these markers to each of the parents. This case, however, was quite unusual. And why was that, Doctor? When we first examined the P1 markers, we could not tell what the father was. But upon a closer examination of the data, instead of the expected numerical type of data indicators, we found 23 balloons, 14 <laughs> tiny umbrellas, and a rubber chicken. Meaning? Mr. Fiddle, without a doubt, you are the father. Well, Bailiff, it looks like we have a happy ending today. Whenever possible, the court likes to keep families together, and this family truly belongs together, and I wish you a happy life. The case is closed. Court is adjourned. You've been listening to Judge Madam Perry, starring Madam Perry as Judge Madam Perry and co-starring Kenya Colbert as the bailiff. Mr. Fiddle was played by Joshua Millwood, and Calico was played by Callie Morrow. The part of Dr. Squiggy was played by Denton Perry. Written and produced by Jennifer Perry and Denton Perry, 
Audio engineered by Denton Perry. The introduction, voiceover, and credits were done by yours truly, Peter G. All right. A few uh, for a say to listen to that. Thanks again, too, to my friend, our friend James Jim Musgrave. Uh, Colin James, Colin Jim, just promise me, get his books and you will be so glad you did. Again, I don't care what he said before he got off the air with me. There's not a clunker in the bunch. This man's an ace writer. And also Bunny Goodjohn, Poem Association Time at the Blue Ridge Women's Correctional Facility. That's just one of the poems in her book, Bone Song, that you will love and read over and over and also get her books. I'll be sharing all that. And Onyx Learner Academy. Thank you for Onyx Global, Onyx Learning Academy, uh, for being our sponsor tonight. So go to the website. I'll be sharing it. Go to the website and look at the ad. Look at get the uh, Onyx Learner Academy guidebook, uh, the self-determined learning course. I think you'll be very happy you did. And, again, thanks to them for sponsoring tonight and last night's shows. And I think it's time to say everybody's got the screen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.